What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 67, and this is our WWE Clash of Champions review. So we do have a special guest host with us uh, this episode, and we'll introduce that guest host very soon. But before we do, we'd like to throw out some plugs uh, so you know where to find us on social media. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you can find us. Our Twitter handle is at withjonners underscore pod. That's at withjonners underscore pod. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at wrestlingwithjonners, and uh, go out and search our ever popular fun and interactive facebook community page just go out and search wrestling with johnners and johnners is spelled j-o-h-n-e-r-s of course if you enjoy listening to this podcast please don't forget to hit like subscribe share and shout about the Wrestling With Johnners podcast. This is your only podcast for your weekly NXT and NXT UK needs. We do cover WWE pay-per-views, of course. Uh, you're listening to this one. Uh, AEW, uh, Progress Wrestling, New Japan. Um, so uh, please spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family and help to grow this podcast so that we can continue producing quality content for you lovely listeners each and every week. So I want to introduce my guest host. He's been on this show once before. I think we reviewed Stomping Grounds together a few months back. But I'll introduce uh, Tommy Lynch. Uh, so Tommy is uh, famous for his YouTube channel, Watch Along Wrestling, and uh, Tommy on the spot. So Tommy, welcome back to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. How are you? Ah, oh, John, it's great to be back. I'm excited to uh, to chat about Class of Champions with you, and uh, thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, first of all, I just want to kind of check in with you, see what you've been up to recently, any kind of wrestling events or wrestling-based things that you've been involved with. I know that you're uh, very active with your YouTube channel. So tell us a, a little bit about what you've been up to the last couple of weeks, Tommy. Yeah, no, we uh, I let, last week I was able to go to both Raw and SmackDown at Madison Square Garden, where I got this, uh, this Undertaker uh, MSG shirt that I have nice. on here. Nice. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it was it was really cool because Madison Square Garden is the venue I grew up in, and it used to be that WWE would do shows there literally all the time. And at the end of the day, uh, they just kind of stopped doing TV tapings there. Really, in 2009, I know they did a pay per view yeah. in 2011 and some shows here and there, but it, like they kind of just stopped. So it was good to see WWE come back and see Austin on Monday night, Undertaker on Tuesday. It was just uh, nostalgia running wild. It was really cool. Yeah, I know that uh, Austin stole the show on uh, on Monday. Uh, I would love to have been there to have felt the atmosphere and uh, d- doing what Austin does best and uh, Undertaker on Tuesday. But um, yeah, you've got a um, your YouTube channel. You're very active on that. I actually saw your your live uh, predictions for Clash of Champions the other day, which is uh, very entertaining as always. But uh, tell us a little bit about your 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 YouTube channels and your kind of wrestling uh, vlog activities, uh, other things that you're involved in wrestling related. Tommy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, I do a, a YouTube channel called Watch Along Wrestling. Uh, the hope and the, the goal of the channel is really to kind of bring the wrestling live experience uh, to the viewers and to the people that tune in with me. I, I, I'm always really big on if you chime in and you leave your thoughts, you jump in on that live chat, I'm going to shout you out on air. I'm going to share your thoughts on air. There are times, you know, folks get a little, a little troll like and I can't share their thoughts. But for the most part, uh, you know, one of the great things about Clash of Champions, I was able to do live streams during some of the bigger matches and had a lot of people jumping in with their thoughts. And one guy was rooting for Sasha, one guy was rooting for <laughs> Becky. And that's just the best to have everyone involved in there. So, you know, whether it be the live streams, whether it be the vlogs, uh, I try to capture that live experience. And my hope is like, I love to hear other people's live experiences too. Like that's, that's what it's all about to me. Uh, you know, we're all fans and, uh, and uh, I have a great, a great time with it. I've been able to go to a lot of shows this year. I uh, thought I was done with the live shows uh, for the year, but my buddy uh, was able to gather some tickets to um, the 
NXT taping on October 2nd. Wow. So uh, he, he's in Orlando. I don't know if I'm going to make the trip, but I, I hope I hope I could because I think it would be a, a lot of fun to be there for that show. Yeah, and of course, uh, that's going to be NXT's third live show um, taking place on the USA Network. And that one is going to be the first one going head-to-head with Wednesday Night Dynamite, the new AEW show on TNT. So that'll be a hell of a show. And I'm sure uh, WWE and NXT will be wanting to pull out all of the stops for that one. I'm sure it's going to be a a fantastic event. It's it's almost going to be uh, pay-per-view quality, I should imagine. So uh, very lucky. And I'll look out for you in the crowd there. And that's going to take place in uh, Full Sail. Is that correct? Yeah, Full Sail University, yep. My, my buddy lives down in Orlando, and uh, it was one of these things where, like, the tickets went on sale and sold out, like, in a second, because I hear mm. it's a really kind of intimate venue. Yeah. Uh, and so I was trying and uh, just to see if I could get tickets just on the off chance I'd be able to go. I couldn't, but he was able to get them. So he's definitely going to go, and hopefully I'll be able to join him. Lucky man, lucky man. Looking forward to your, your uh, vlog from uh, that show also. But uh, let's have a look at Clash of Champions. And I I, I did watch the pre-show and um, we had two matches there, one of which uh, was quite interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that in a moment. But the first match on the kickoff was Humberto Carrillo, Lince Dorado and Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak, of course, is the current WWE Cruiserweight Champion. And this was for the Cruiserweight Championship. So uh, early on in this one, Dorado hits an impressive Hurricane Rana um, off the barricade at ringside, which was quite an interesting spot there. Carrillo then gets a two count from a standing moonsault. And then with uh, Dorado up on Gulak's shoulders on the outside, Carrillo launches himself over the top rope onto Dorado with a tope. Uh, there's some interesting transitional holes between these three with plenty of back and forth action. Uh, there's a, a top rope Hurricane Rana spot from Dorado, but after Carrillo connects with uh, an Aztec press on Dorado, he uh, gets dumped into the ring post, uh, goes to the outside and by Drew Gulak. And, and Gulak, ever the opportunist, he uh, jumps onto Dorado and uh, pins Dorado to retain his championship so unfortunately this was your typical cruiserweight kickoff match uh, with very little time in the ring uh, for these guys to tell a story there were some some impressive spots between Carrillo and uh, Dorado uh, with Gulak getting the pin and retaining so uh, Tommy uh, I'm hoping that you caught the kickoff show but uh, this was um, a a fun cruiserweight match but um, had they've had uh, another 10 minutes uh, and been on the main card I'm sure it would have been twice as good but for what it was, it was okay. Give us your thoughts on this Cruiserweight kickoff. Yeah, it's something where I think the thing that always holds the cruiserweight back, uh, the Cruiserweights back is the lack of crowd reaction. And being there for a 205 Live taping following SmackDown, where they did have a lot of the crowd actually hang out in the building because they promoted um, The Fiend making yeah. a live appearance after 205 Live. And it felt like literally the entire crowd sat on their hands for that entire crew. And these guys are out there killing it. They're doing everything they can. And the crowd just, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to uh, really um, get into it. And I, I can't figure out exactly why, because these guys are, are really athletic. They always give 110%. But I'm with you. I thought this was a little short. At the same time, um, I, I like that Drew Gulak was able to retain the title there. They always do a good job in kind of continuing the, the title reigns of each Cruiserweight champion to at least give him a chance on the top of the card. So I, I like that. Yeah, that's one thing I do have to... Uh... Uh, acknowledge 205 Live for their, their, their title. It doesn't change hands like a hot potato. Uh, the, the title does stay on on the champion for a cons- considerable b- amount of time. And uh, Gutlack is proven to be a, a very good champion. But uh, going back to your point about the cruiserweights and being on the kickoff, yes, 
I think this will be one of the last pay-per-views where the Cruiserweights will be on the kickoff because uh, I think they're going to be merging the Cruiserweights with the NXT roster and oh, with them getting right. that second hour on uh, the USA Network. I think that will give them a bit of a platform to have uh, to, to perform in front of uh, more of a... Uh, more of a, uh, an audience that will be appreciative of their skills um but um yes we will see how that kind of uh, changes but uh, the, the rumor is that 205 live will be no more from uh, from about october and uh, the 205 live or the cruiserweight roster will be merging with the nxt roster uh, so we'll see them uh, kind of on takeovers and things like that in the future where they will get uh, a bigger platform and uh, yeah get to perform in front of fans that uh, are possibly less casual than the people you might find at a SmackDown, for example. Um, but uh, the second kickoff match, and it was a very surprising one. I think we all kind of uh, scratched our head at this one when uh, the music started for AJ Styles. And it was AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander, uh, AJ, the current United States champion, and uh, putting his title on the line. Um, considering that these two were involved in the 10-man the tag at Raw at MSG last Monday, uh, and with Styles being involved in many kind of top-line storylines at the moment, uh, including getting stunned by Steve Austin, uh, I was very surprised to see AJ Styles especially involved in this pre show match with only 10 minutes left of the pre-show before the, the main show itself so he's kind of looking at your watch thinking well if they're gonna have a match they haven't really got long to go and um uh aj starters was accompanied to the ring by the oc in this one uh, oc didn't hang around um and uh, with cedric getting the hometown welcome uh, Alexander gets a close near fall off from a Michinoku driver as soon as the bell sounds, uh, taking the match to the veteran AJ Styles. Uh, Styles soon takes control, hitting a Styles clash on his uh, opponent on the outside of the ring, which looked pretty brutal. Um, however, AJ uh, won the match after hitting a reverse DDT, a phenomenal forearm and a second Styles clash uh, to get the relatively quick and easy pinfall. Um, the match only went about four minutes, Tommy. Uh, there was a, a post-match beatdown from um, uh, AJ, Gallows and Anderson on uh, Cedric Alexander. But more importantly, AJ Styles retains his United States Championship in a brief kickoff match. Now, Tommy, it was bad enough that AJ was involved and uh, relegated in a kickoff match here, uh, but it would have been even worse and more humiliating if he'd lost the title. Fortunately, he won uh, in fairly dominant fashion. But uh, tell us about this match. Um, was you as surprised as the rest of us to see AJ Styles, of all people, on the kickoff show? Yeah, it's funny because when, when I was doing the, the live preview on, uh, on YouTube, Everyone was kind of talking about what match was going to be on the pre-show. I think you had even asked about it, and we were going back and forth. And I think a lot of us thought uh, it was going to be Nakamura and Miz because that match was kind of thrown together. It didn't seem to have kind of the hype that the Alexander and AJ Styles matches had. But um, it's something that I think the reason they ended up moving that onto the main card is because they've just been promoting the 40th anniversary of the Intercontinental title. They had this big special they did on the uh, YouTube where it was uh, Orton, Christian, and The Miz talking about... Yeah. The Intercontinental title heritage. And I think if they put that on the pre-show, it kind of like wouldn't have made much sense with what they were going with. So this match starts and I'm immediately thinking, all right, they're going to get the club involved. Maybe two other guys are going to come out and they'll set up a six man, have them kind of stand there and wait and then start to kick off the show with a six man tag. I'm trying to like figure out what's going on. And then I realize if they're going to have this match happen now, they always leave a couple minutes to promote the main event. So this match is not going to go more than five minutes. Uh, and it didn't. And uh, I was I was very surprised. It's crazy to think like AJ Styles, a guy who held the world title for, I think, uh, at least close to a year. 
Yeah. And now uh, he's on the pre-show. It's uh, it's crazy. I'm sure it's something he probably didn't like. And also, the crowd was really amped to see Cedric Alexander, I'm sure, because he's from Charlotte. And here, here the crowd is. So a lot of those guys aren't even in their seats yet. So uh, just didn't get the decision at all. And it was a shame because it was the mat- one of the matches I was looking forward to. And they only got four or five minutes, which you can't even really get a match going in that amount no, of time. exactly. I mean, I, I personally would have put the, the women's tag title match in this spot, to be honest with you. Oh, um, they, but, but, you know, they, they, they had, uh, in the end, three women's matches on, on the main card. Um, I don't think it would have uh, done the women any disservice by having one of those dropped onto the, onto the kickoff. I, I would have thought the women's tag match would have been right for the pickings for a kickoff show, um, kickoff match, and to have... AJ and Cedric take their spot would have been uh, better for the main card, better for the viewing audience, in my opinion. But um, a bit of a strange decision, that. But, uh, yes, yeah, so w- w- there was one spot in the match where AJ um, went to pin Cedric and pulled him up on the two count. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. Cedric, Cedric's going to, they're going to swerve us and Cedric's going to take the title. So I was relieved when AJ uh, did manage to retain in fairly dominant fashion after a second Styles clash there. But then we go straight into the main card then, Tommy. So the first match on the card was uh, for the Raw tag titles. Uh, current champions Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins versus a, uh, a thrown-together team of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. They've been together a few weeks. They won a, a bit of a qualifier a few weeks ago uh, to face uh, Strowman and Rollins here at Clash of Champions. Um, so there's a good five minutes in the match where Ziggler and Roode were beaten down on Rollins in their half of the ring before Stro- Strowman gets a, a hot tag and literally runs through his opponents. Uh, Seth Sue gets tagged back in, uh, but uh, gets driven into the mat from a Robert Roode spinebuster, where Roode gets a two count there. But uh, as the illegal man Ziggler gets involved on the outside, causing some distractions, uh, Strowman comes in like a, a bully in a china shop, runs straight into Roode, knocking his own partner sideways in the process before Strowman tumbles to the outside himself. This allows Roode to hit a glorious DDT on Rollins to get the three count, um, giving us new Raw Tag Team Champions in the shape of Robert Roode. Um, I, I can't get my head around the Robert Roode name. I, I still want to call him Bobby Roode and uh, Dolph Ziggler, of course. Uh, I think most of us would have predicted some shenanigans and a bit of a screwy finish in this match, which we got, uh, causing a bit of a, a split between Rollins and uh, Strowman leading into their Universal title match later on in the card. But I wasn't fully expecting a title change here, if I'm honest. However, it definitely made sense considering the story that they were trying to tell ahead of the Universal title match, which uh, uh, will be taking place later on in the show. So, Tommy, give us your thoughts on this uh, main card opener and uh, new Raw Tag Champions. And, uh, you know, a Obviously, we knew that it was going to happen, but uh, a split between Rollins and Strowman ahead of their match later on. Yeah, I, I thought I thought they would definitely do the title change here. I just almost wish it was a legitimate tag team that was in this spot, whether it be the Revival or the Usos or whoever it was, because then you could tell the really good story. I feel like uh, they used to do this back in the day where you'd get your two big superstars would be like teaming together against the tag team. And they wouldn't be able to function as well as a unit against like a well-oiled machine like the Revival operates. So I would have loved to see them there. Uh, But that said, it's good to see uh, Robert Roode kind of get a spot back on the main card. I feel like for a while he wasn't doing much. Um, It's crazy to think that uh, his team with Gable just ended a couple months ago. And it feels like that was years ago at this point. So uh, good to see him back on the card. And, uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler, he's just kind of like, I feel like he's the, the ultimate utility player for WWE. He fits in wherever they need him. He always has solid matches. 
I kind of really liked this match. I thought it was a good way to get the crowd yeah, going. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think the crowd gets really pumped whenever they hear they, they get to do the burn it down. I know they do because I had people sitting next to me at MSG, you know, on the edge of their seat, ready to just scream burn it down. And so, uh, crowd was really into that, and uh, that that got got this got got the show off on a good note. I thought definitely i think one of the main reasons i've heard robert rude is getting uh, quite a push at the moment is uh, that paul Heyman is a big fan of his and uh, since paul Heyman's been running the show out uh, on raw he's been uh, giving robert rude some wins uh, more prominently uh, pairing him with uh, with dolph ziggler and uh, of course them getting the titles on sunday night so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in the future but i think that uh, if you look at dolph ziggler and robert rude Two very similar kind of uh, good-looking guys, a uh, good move set between the two of them. And uh, I think if they give them a, a, a good tag team name and maybe some uh, matching uh, matching outfits, I think they could be a long-term tag team. I certainly hope so um, after Sunday night. But uh, then we move on to our next match, Tommy, and it's uh, Bailey versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So uh, Charlotte comes out, as you would expect, to a, a fantastic reception from her hometown fans. Uh, now, Bailey doesn't appear to have changed her char- character too much, uh, certainly uh, before this match started, since showing a more sinister side a couple of weeks ago uh, when she realigned with uh, the recently returning heel, Sasha Banks. Um, but uh, she definitely gets the booze as she comes down to the ring with Charlotte, uh, starting the match very much the aggressor. Uh, towards the tail end of this match, we see the official keeping Charlotte away from Bailey. Um, it was on the floor in the corner. Um, who she'd just taken a bit of a beating from Charlotte Flair. Uh, we see Bailey down at the canvas, undoing and removing the bottom turnbuckle before Charlotte runs towards Bailey, only for Bailey to drive Charlotte face first into the exposed bottom turnbuckle uh, before hooking the challenger's leg and getting the surprise three count. So Charlotte was on the offense for 99% of this match up until that moment. Uh, Bailey then quickly grabs her championship belt and gets the hell out of there as Charlotte looks on in disbelief having dominated the match as I said from the opening bell um, and uh, uh, only to lose to a very heelish tactic from Bailey there and uh, if we were in any doubt as to whether Bailey was a heel or not prior to this match I think her actions here confirms it for sure so give us your thoughts on this match once again it was one of those matches um, like a few of these matches on Clash of Champions that uh, didn't go very long quite short I think it only went maybe five minutes um, and uh, Bailey is able to retain, and uh, I think she she's certainly cementing her heel character in this match. Yeah, I I, I liked the the heel tactic from Bailey, but unfortunately, that's the only thing I really liked about this match. This was one that right next to Becky and Sasha and and probably uh, Rollins and and uh, Strowman, this was the match one of the matches I was really looking forward to. So when I yeah. when they got going, they went second on the card which is, uh, I believe, at the, at the WrestleMania you went to. I think Charlotte and Asuka also went second. So I was like, all right, they're going to have a great match here. Like, let's get into this. What what a great way to start the show. You have a hot tag match. Now you're going to get this match uh, with the hometown crowd solidly behind Charlotte. And uh, like like I told you, you know, before we got on here, uh, just last month when they had TakeOver Cardiff and that great moment of the crowd solidly behind Mark Andrews and, uh, and Webster, and the crowd's so excited for them. And at the end of the day... They get the titles, they get this big win, and it's this incredible moment that I'm sure being there live for like had to be a, a top moment on the show. Yeah. And now you come here to Clash of Champions, you have Cedric Alexander on the pre-show, he gets beaten pretty quick. Charlotte gets beaten so fast he can't even get into the match. It's like, I don't necessarily need the hometown guys to win, but give the crowd a couple of, a chance to get into their matches and to feel excitement over a potential win. So uh, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was a little disappointing. 
Mm, why didn't the referee kind of reverse the decision when he he must have noticed the exposed turnbuckle at some point after Charlotte, either while she was getting pinned or after she was pinned? So, um, yes, uh, interesting shenanigans there from uh, Bailey. Um, another match that I quite enjoyed was the Revival versus the New Day. Uh, yeah. The New Day going into this match are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, Xavier Woods gets taken out of the match fairly early on as the Revival take turns on beating uh, Big E in their half of the ring. Woods does eventually get the hot, hot tag, getting a close near fall from a DDT. The Revival recover to hit the Shatter Machine on Big E on the outside. Uh, the Revival target Xavier Woods previously injured left knee uh, before connecting with the shat machine on Woods, uh, this time in the centre of the ring. However, Dash uh, chooses not to cover, uh, but instead applies a reverse figure four leg lock on Xavier Woods, uh, obviously taking advantage of the leg injury, causing Woods to tap out, bringing an end to this match, giving us new SmackDown Tag Team Champions in the shape of the Revival. So, uh, uh, Dash gets on the mic at the top of the ramp to say that the WWE Universe are welcome and that the Revival are now the best tag team on the planet. No more hip swivels and trumpets. Uh, we are back to the old school, they said. Uh, they also got on to uh, went on to say that Randy Orton will overcome Kofi Kingston to become the new WWE champion later on. Uh, we'll cover that match very shortly. Uh, this was another short but interesting uh, match, in my opinion, and we have new SmackDown tag champions. And, and before... Um, I hand it over to yourself, Tommy. I just want a bit of an interesting point here that the Revival is the only tag team in WWE history to have now held the uh, NXT tag team titles, the Raw tag team titles, and now the SmackDown tag team titles. So uh, uh, a few months ago, a lot of people had the uh, the Revival pegged for making a jump to AEW. They were kind of in some horrible segments on Monday Night Raw, not being utilised very well. But recently, they've been uh, Raw tag team champions and now SmackDown tag team champions. So they are being used a lot better and they looked very good on Sunday night as well. So Tommy, over to you. What were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I hadn't realized that, but you're right. They, uh, you know, the the revival. It's good to see the WWE is realizing what they have in the revival because I'd heard those rumors that you know they were saying people were saying they were going to be leaving, and then Vince McMahon kind of said, "Hey, you know, we have a lot of we have a good spot for you." Um, and it's good to see that he does seem to to see what he has in the revival because revival's revival's a great team. Only thing I didn't love about this is that they were on opposite brands, so now technically guys who are on Raw have the SmackDown titles. Uh, but what I did like about it was this now set up a good a bit of intrigue for the Orton-Kofi match because what they've been doing a lot of is AJ and the OC all have all the titles. The New Day has all the titles. So when the Revival wins the tag titles, I think there was a, a thought of like, oh, wow, is Orton going to get the title at the end of the night? And I think that really drove, it, uh, drove that point to really get at least me a little more excited in that match uh, later on in the show. But as far as the in-ring action here, I mean, just two of the best teams – on the roster, New Day definitely don't need the title, so uh, it's good to uh, see what the Revival can do. And with the draft coming up, it's easy to move them over to SmackDown. Mm, yeah, the Revival's definitely uh, proved that they're they are top guys indeed. So uh, then on to the, the match that I uh, alluded to earlier on that I thought should have been on the kickoff show, the match for the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. So Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss going in as champions, going up against Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose, uh, Mandy Rose, and um, Sonya Deville of course uh so this was another short match with uh, alexa having taken a bump on the outside nikki finished a match 
Bay executed a swinging netbreaker off the rope, off the top rope on uh, Mandy Rose, winning the match for her team and retaining the Women's Tag Team Championship. So now, Tommy, I'm, I'm, I quite enjoy these two teams in general. However, I can't help but uh, feel disappointed that uh, two of the best talents uh, in the women's roster, Kyrie Sane and Asuka, are not, not even in the picture. And for me, this felt like uh, another nothing match that could easily have been a kickoff match instead of the AJ and Cedric match, as I mentioned earlier. But um, yes, like I say, this, they could have included Asuka and Curry saying to make it a triple threat. They could have included that in the build-up to this match. But uh, um, yes, it was okay for what it was, this match. Um, and Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss managed to hang on to their titles when all is said and done. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, it, I, I'm with you on liking both of these teams. I don't know if you've gotten a chance, but... Uh... Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose do a YouTube channel called Demandy's Donuts, and I always yeah. find them to be very—they're—they're they're just awesome personalities. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if that their real personalities have actually translated so much to their personalities on uh, on SmackDown. So, you know, as far as far as the the build for this match too, I, I don't—I think we're past the idea of like I'm better looking than you, which is kind of what they've been doing with uh, Mandy Rose and Nikki Cross and Mandy saying that. Nikki Cross is ugly or whatever it is. I think that's kind of like, that's pretty cheap. And at this point, like it's, it kind of doesn't make much sense with what they're doing. Uh, so I didn't really love the build. It was kind of a bit of a nothing match, but at the end of the day, I am glad they continued to, uh, to build up Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss because I'm sure at some point they're going to split those two up, but I'm glad that right now they're, they're continuing there. As I, as I refer to them, they're almost like a, a new way, a new age kind of uh, 2019 version of the rock and sock connection where you've got <laughs> a little crazy you got somebody with a ton of charisma, and here they are together, and uh, it's cool. It's a, it's a good team. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, on to the next match, and it was for the Intercontinental Championship. So you mentioned that uh, they're uh, – is it the uh, the 40th anniversary of the Intercontinental Championship, Tommy? Yeah, that's what they were promoting. because, And they also have – I think they did like a six-hour uh, top 20 matches uh, that define the Intercontinental Championship on the WWE Network. I haven't gotten a chance to check that out, but yeah, to celebrate the 40th anniversary, uh, they did a, uh, a round table on the, on YouTube and it was uh, Christian, uh, Randy Orton and the Miz. And it was cool to see Orton, like just having a normal conversation. Like, I feel like he's somebody who you don't see doing too many things like this. So it was an interesting watch. I, I liked it. Most definitely. And uh, um, a former, I think, eight-time champion, The Miz, makes his entrance first. And uh, just as we were expecting Nakamura's theme music to play, we get Sami Zayn out to complain about his neck injury sustained on Tuesday night at the hands of The Undertaker before introducing the King of Strong Style, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I really like this combination of uh, Sami Zayn and Nakamura, with Sami appearing to be a bit of a mouthpiece or an advocate for Nakamura, uh, which could be good for Nakamura's character, I believe. Sami briefly gave the fans a bit of a running commentary on the mic at ringside, which got a lot of crowd heat, calling the Miz uh, the king of soft style wrestling and taking it to the fans before the microphone got cut off. Uh, the match soon goes to the outside where Nakamura drops a knee on the back of Miz's neck when uh, the, the Miz was draped along the ring apron. Uh, the Miz then strikes with repeated running knees in the cor corner to get a two count off of DDT. The Miz sidesteps a Kinshasa before applying a figure four leg lock. And after another distraction from Zami Zayn um, on the outside, Nakamura did hit a Kinshasa but was only able to get a two count. The Miz does manage to deliver a skull-crushing finale, only for Sammy to get um, uh, to get up on the apron, sending the Miz uh, 
sorry, for Sami Zayn to get up on the apron, sending the Miz uh, on a bit of a, a merry-go-round chase around the ring, uh, with the Miz finding nothing but another Kinshasa from Nakamura. Uh, the Miz gets rolled back into the ring for a third and final Kinshasa, and Nakamura covers and retains his championship. So a pinfall victory there for Shinsuke. Uh, for me, as a fan of Nakamura, it was great to see him retain the championship on a pay-per-view. Uh, I'm also digging this combination of uh, Sami Zayn and Nakamura, and I'm interested to see where that leads in the future. So uh, the Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura, what were you, what's your take on this one then, Tommy? Yeah, I thought this was. Uh, I, I actually like this match. I thought it was pretty good. I like the. Uh, I love the pairing, as you said, of uh, Shinsuke and Sami Zayn. It's especially cool because it's a tie back to the fact that Shinsuke's first match in uh, WWE with NXT was with Sami, uh, which was a great match. And uh, that it's so it's cool to have them there. I think Sami's super entertaining. That said, I was relieved to see Miz take the mic and toss it up the aisle, get that away from Sami <laughs> because if he kept going with that live commentary. Throughout the entire match, I think it would have gotten like real old real fast. Yeah, that um, was a, a hell of a pitch from uh, from the Miz as well. He, uh, he uh, he's got a good throw on him. <laughs> Absolutely, he threw it all the way through the entranceway there. Uh, so I thought that was thought it was really cool. I um, you know, Miz Miz is just I don't know if he's working as a babyface. He's had so many losses now. Him losing all those matches to Shane McMahon, I just don't think did him any favors. Um, and I will say I was pleasantly surprised to see Nakamura keep the belt. Because I thought for sure they were going to have Miz tie the record, which they didn't mention was held by AEW champion Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had that at the back of my mind as well, thinking he's he's eight-time champion, Jericho's a nine-time champion. They're going to give it to Miz, aren't they? But uh, they, they swerved us, you know, uh, and WWE are very, very good at that. But uh, following this match, we get confirmation that the brand split will indeed commence on SmackDown and Raw in a few month, a few weeks' time, uh, where we are told that the brands, uh, there will be brand exclusivity and none of this blurring of the lines and wild card nonsense that we've had, um, which we've had pretty much since the very first draft uh, a decade and a half ago. So, uh, uh, Tommy, you're looking forward to the, to the draft. And uh, this time it's for real. There will be a proper brand exclusivity. Uh, take that for what it's worth. But uh, uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, let's say I think the, the brand split, the brand split, the draft takes place in a few weeks time, Tommy. Yeah, I'm not huge. On, I'm not a huge fan of the draft shows themselves, but I'm really happy about the fact that they're going back to separate brands. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget going to the Raw after WrestleMania and being prepared to buy tickets to the SmackDown after WrestleMania so I could have been there live for that like first moment where Kofi came out as world champ. And then they just brought him out on Raw. And I was like, well, I don't need to go to SmackDown. Like, <laughs> it feels like they haven't... Uh, I feel like SmackDown was such an exciting brand when it first came out, when they had the brand separate, where you had uh, Ambrose and uh, Styles at the top of the card there. And uh, when Daniel Bryan was the general manager, and each brand really had its own identity. And I think that's absolutely necessary if you want it to be something that succeeds. You don't want people to feel they can get all the wrestlers on one show because there's no reason to watch the second show then. So uh, I, I, I like this idea quite a bit and uh, I'm excited about it. How about, how about you? Yeah, no, I am too. And I think that uh, with Fox taking over SmackDown in uh, a few weeks time, uh, I think from the 4th of October is the first show on Fox. I think they're, they're going to have a, a, a closer uh, handle on things and uh, they're going to want a more sports-based uh, presentation. So I think that uh, they're not going to want too much shenanigans in terms of raw talent turning up on, on SmackDown and vice versa. So uh, I think it's for real this time. And uh, I did mention on your, your live uh, uh, Clash of Champions preview the other day that I wouldn't be surprised when they do the draft to see Brock Lesnar get drafted to SmackDown. 
and uh, for him to kind of uh, kick a bit of ass over there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and certainly with, with, as I mentioned, Fox wanting more of a, uh, a more serious product on their channel with, with the SmackDown uh, team. Um, I think that Brock Lesnar will be a fitting um, addition to that roster. Um, but um, on to the next match. And this was the match that I think a lot of people were looking forward to the most going into this one. Certainly I was. And I know that uh, the rest of the Facebook community uh, was looking forward to this match a lot as well. And it was Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. So, uh, in, in my opinion, this would it could easily have been um, a, a main event match. Uh, could have gone on last, um, especially with the, the heat that Sasha Banks has got since returning on Raw a few weeks ago. But uh, some of the key spots in this match, uh, Sasha was in control in the early going here, getting an early two count from a Meteora. Uh, Sasha catches Lynch in a back statement with uh, uh, Becky able to reverse into a Bexploder. There's plenty of back and forth action between these two with Sasha getting another close near fall from uh, another Meteora, this time off the second turnbuckle. Uh, Lynch then applies a Disarmor, uh, managing to apply it twice as a matter of fact with uh, Banks managing to escape the hold uh, twice in close succession. Becky goes to the top for a missile dropkick, gets another two count there. There's a this is awesome chant from the fans um, as uh, Becky stomps away on Banks in the corner. Uh, but Banks is able to hit a, a backstabber before applying her bank statement, which only gets broken up as the two wrestlers get close to the ropes. Uh, Banks gets a chair from the outside, jabbing it into the stomach of the champ before getting another close near fall uh, once again back inside the ring. However, as uh, Banks goes to use the steel chair once again, uh, with the referee pulling the chair away, Becky grabs the chair to hit Banks with it, only for Lynch to accidentally hit the referee instead. And with the referee down, uh, Becky try, uh, strikes Banks with another chair shot. The two then fight into the crowd, into the concessions area, uh, through the arena. Becky then drags Banks down the stairs by her hair as the fight continues back towards the ring. Banks drives Becky into the barricade at ringside. Uh, then uh, back inside the ring, the chair comes into play once more with uh, Becky driving Sasha's head into the steel before applying the disarmor while taking a seat on the steel chair uh, just to add extra leverage. Uh, but by this point, Tommy, the match was already over with Becky losing by uh, disqualification after striking the referee earlier on. Um, extra officials come down to the ring to stop the onslaught from Becky and they tend to the wounded boss. So, Tommy, this won't be getting any five star reviews uh, from Dave, Dave Meltzer. However, it was the most uh, exciting match of the card so far. And it's probably the best title defence, in my opinion, from Becky Lynch since she won the championship at WrestleMania and possibly the most interesting feud that she's had since her feud with Ronda Rousey uh, around that same time. So what's your opinion of this match? Um, it, it was a good one and uh, the crowd um, were well into it. They definitely enjoyed this one. But uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I love I love this match. I, it's probably, you know, there, there was a lot of heat in the main event. And so I was really into that one, too. But this was definitely one of them. That I was really, uh, I enjoyed. I, I love, I love that they, the violence they had in there when utilizing the chair for the disarmor, utilizing, uh, I think they used like a ring post for uh, the bank statement. They were just, they were going at each other, uh, definitely not holding anything back. And I'm with you. And I, and I, I thought going in, I said, hey, if, if they're going to get three different events out of Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch, this one's definitely not going to be a one and done. Um, but at the end, it made me think, like, it made a lot of sense. Hey, these guys can't keep it in the ring. Now they're going to have to. We'll put them in the hell in a cell, which is where, where I assume they're going to go. 
And uh, I thought thought it was great. I always love when they go into the crowd just because the crowd's so excited. You always got the people trying to get the selfies. Uh, they took it up <laughs> in the concession stand. I think Sasha was like, I think at one point Becky poured mustard all over Sasha's back, yeah. and so <laughs> it was uh, it was cool. I think that um, I think the crowd even enjoyed the violence so much that there wasn't as many boos as there normally is for non-finish. Like the crowd was like, "All right, you know, we get it." So uh, it, it was cool, and uh, I, I really I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I agree with all of your sentiments there. This was my favourite match of the night, to be honest with you. Uh, the main event, yeah, it comes a close second, but uh, this was a really good match. But uh, the kind of semi-final place in, uh, no, it wasn't the semi-final, it's just third from the top, uh, Kofi Kingston versus Rowan... Uh, get it right, Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton uh, for the WWE Championship. Uh, so th- th- this is their rematch following their rather disappointing double count out at SummerSlam last month. Uh, the match here starts to pick up after Orton blasts Kofi off the ring apron and into the barricade at ringside. Uh, Orton bounces Kofi's head off of the ring and uh, off of the uh, announce table before dropping Kofi across the barricade and then suplexing Kofi on the hard floor on the outside, then delivering two belly to back suplexes on the announce tables. Kofi recovers to connect with a springboard double axe handle and a boom drop. Uh, Orton catches Kingston early, um, turning a trouble in paradise into a backbreaker for a two count there for Orton. Kofi is able to backdrop Orton over the top rope and to the outside before delivering like a, a Fosbury flop backflip over the top rope, uh, just managing to connect on his opponent there. Uh, Kofi then gets uh, the win via a, 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 an SOS. Uh, sorry, he, he nearly gets the win via an SOS. Uh, Randy executes a, a very good kind of snap uh, power slam and a draping DDT on the champ before eventually dropping Kofi with an RKO with Kofi managing to get his foot on the rope for uh, to break the count. But after avoiding a punt kick from Orton, Kofi delivers a, a last gasp, uh, trouble in paradise, hook in the leg, gets a three count, and Kofi Kingston manages he manages to hold on to that WWE Championship one more time there, Tommy. So this match was a, 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 a you saw a lot more offense from Randy Orton compared to Kofi Kingston. However, it was the leader of the New Day that managed to retain. So going back to the earlier match, the New Day against the Revival, you was expecting um, all of the members of the New Day to lose their championships here, but it didn't happen in this match. Kofi managed to hang on to his WWE Championship against Randy Orton, uh, possibly setting up a third match at Hell in a Cell. But uh, what's your thoughts on this one then, Tommy? Yeah, I actually, um, you know, it was one of these things where they were going back and forth and when Orton hit the RKO out of nowhere, I thought, that's it, Orton's going to get it. Because I've always been, I've been building up this idea that Randy Orton is going to get be the, the guy to have the title going into to SmackDown on Fox and lose it the first night there to Roman Reigns. They could build that up and then have Roman as the face of SmackDown. But I do feel that with Kofi getting the win here, I think this was the biggest win of Kofi's uh, kind of reign thus far as champion. And for him to finally get that win, that elusive win over Orton after all these years, I think he needed it, and I think if they wanted to, I think I think it really solidifies Kofi as champion. I know he's been champ since WrestleMania, but I think this was the match that that really put it over the top for me, and uh, I, I'm into it. But I do think, uh, you know, specifically your idea of Brock Lesnar going over to SmackDown, 
I could definitely see a deal where he does and takes that title off Kofi. Yeah, you can see as uh, SmackDown goes over to, to Fox, you can see Kofi's days as champion dwindling, in my opinion. But uh, yeah. there's going to be lots of challengers out there wanting to take the gold from uh, over his shoulder. Uh, this is the semi-final match. Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan. And uh, kind of the interesting gimmick about this one is it's no disqualification as well. So the story heading into this match was a little bit odd, a little bit drawn out with uh, some people liking the who attacked Roman Reigns storyline and many others not so much. Uh, we also saw Rowan turn on, uh, turn his back on Daniel Bryan in the lead up to this match as well. But uh, early on in this match, uh, we get uh, Rowan uh, gets driven into the steel ring steps before the match goes uh, into the fans. There's uh, kendo sticks pulled out from under the ring. There's a, a trash can used in the audience. Uh, the match heads, heads back towards the ring uh, as Roman connects with a drive-by. Uh, Rowan then uh, leaves Roman Reigns. Uh, uh, he levels him with a, a running crossbody at ringside, which I, f I find is very impressive. Such a big man, Eric Rowan, that when he does that uh, yeah. running crossbody, he just looks ever so impressive. Uh, Rowan then, he's, uh, he's absolutely on a, on a brutal tear here, dropping Roman against the LED uh, edge of the ring, which looked uh, pretty brutal. Uh, Reigns then gets a close near fall after driving the steel steps into the face of Eric Rowan, followed by a Superman punch, but only gets a two count. Uh, Rowan then power bombs Reigns through an announce table. Uh, Rowan then nails uh, Roman Reigns in, with, with, with the timekeeper's bell before driving Reigns through a second table, this time with the iron claw. The match then heads towards the stage area where Rowan uses the, the, the jib camera, uh, which uh, eventually gets utilised more by uh, Roman Reigns. Instead, uh, Roman delivers a super map. Sorry, Rowan. Sorry, Roman Reigns. It's, it's got similar names, Tommy. Similar names. I'm getting confused here. Yeah. Roman Reigns delivers a Superman punch, and with Rowan retreating back towards the ring, and in a shocking turn of events, Reigns gets ambushed by the big boots of the returning Luke Harper, um, who's been sat at home for the last four or five months. Uh, Roman gets tossed back into the ring, where Harper uh, launches Rowan hard into the corner, um, into uh, a flailing Roman Reigns before Rowan finishes the match with another iron claw, gets the one, two, three. Three. So, Tommy, going into this match, I couldn't help but think it should have been Harper in this spot instead of Rowan. Uh, however, my wish came true at the end of the match as Harper returned to reunite the former Bludgeon Brothers, um, Eric Rowan and uh, Luke Harper back together to defeat Roman Reigns. So, uh, no Daniel Bryan in this match. I was half expecting him to come out and be a part of this match because he's part of the storyline, of course, and uh, recently uh, took that uh, iron claw from uh, Rowan in uh, the build-up to this match. But uh, an interesting turn of events, and uh, I think the no-disqualification stipulation uh, made this match better than it would have been if it had been a standard one-fall uh, contained within a within a ring, of course. But uh, what were your thoughts on this no-DQ match? Yeah, I mean, they pulled it off. Uh, you know, when, uh, when Rowan was coming out uh, on the SmackDown before this show to, to make, do a promo, I, I think I and a lot of fans were like, Oh man, are they kidding with this? Like, really, Rowan now is going to be doing promos, but it worked. And then they got everybody involved using that jib cam together. And by the end of that, people were chanting, This is awesome. Everyone was behind Roman Reigns. I think that carried over to a really nice match here on Clash of Champions. I think it was, uh, it was refreshing. It was something completely different. I think Rowan really busted it in this match. He gave mm. everything he had. And uh, I think at the end, that, that moment of having Luke Harper get involved was just so. Uh, it was great. I think everyone was like, ah, oh, Harper's back. Like, you knew this guy was there and was cleared and was able to get back in the ring and was just for whatever reason being sidelined. And now here he is, and they're both going to get a shot to kind of 
stand on their own, though I do still think that it, this is going to lead to a tag match with the two of the former bludgeons against Brian and Roman, and that interesting. is interesting. Yeah, that, that, that would be an interesting match, and uh, possibly a match we could be seeing at the next pay-per-view, Tommy. So, yep. uh, yeah, but this match was um, better than I thought it was going to be going into it. It certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, quite refreshing to see um, Eric Rowan getting a, a big win over yes. Roman Reigns. Uh, so, a big win for him. Um, so for he, Roman, for putting yeah, him on. Most yep. definitely, most definitely. And then we're into our main event. So this is uh, <coughs> Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman. So uh, these two had a match earlier on in the night where they were tag partners, but unfortunately lost the Raw tag team titles to uh, the team of uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Um, but uh, in this match, Braun started this match like a, a bull in a china shop, uh, but soon gets nailed by uh, three super kicks and a huge frog splash from Seth Rollins. But uh, Rollins could only get a one count from that series of moves. Rollins then sidesteps a shoulder barge from Braun Strowman, sending the big man into the ring post. Uh, Rollins delivers two springboard flying knees, but he's uh, caught on the third by Strowman before the, before taking the match to the outside with a barrage of running shoulder tackles. Seth then appears to have Strowman rattled as he delivers two suicide dives through the ropes. Uh, then we see Strowman hit a move I don't think you'd ever see a man of his size uh, uh, do in the form of a frog splash. Uh, there was a scary moment where Strowman kind of wobbled on the top rope there that would have been disastrous had he fallen backwards but somehow managed to execute the move and uh managed to get a, a two and three quarters count there very nearly won the match on that frog splash but appeared to injure his own knee in the process Rollins uh, hooks in a sleeper and then delivers three consecutive cur curb stomps, uh, but Rollins still couldn't get the pinfall on the big man. Uh, Rollins decides to change tactics slightly, using a pedigree instead to put the monster down, and then one final curb stomp with Rollins hooking the leg and somehow uh, getting the one, two, three to retain his Universal Championship. That was a much better match than I was expecting going into it, uh, and I thought both wrestlers put on a hell of a show, a hell of a main event. Uh, with Rollins successfully retaining the championship against the monster among, among men. Uh, but just when we thought everything was done uh, for this pay-per-view, and uh, we even had the, the copyright logo at the bottom left-hand corner, uh, bottom right-hand corner of the screen, the lights went out, we heard some strange, scary music. Then we saw The Fiend, who had Seth Rollins across his leg for the sister Abigail. The lights go out and come back on again, uh, this time with The Fiend applying the mandible claw to Seth Rollins before the lights go out for the final time. So, uh, Tommy, that was a, a great main event. Uh, lots of action, plenty of false finishes with Seth delivering another win and a successful title defence in the process. However, what everyone's going to be talking about after this show goes off the air is The Fiend attacking Seth Rollins and almost certainly setting himself up with a champion match against uh, Rollins in the next pay-per-view Hell in a Cell so uh, a good main event but uh, an even better ending to the show Tommy absolutely yeah I think uh, I, I really think this was this might have been Braun Strowman's best one-on-one -on -one match he's had obviously he had the great fatal four-way at the end of SummerSlam a couple years ago but I think in terms of one-on-one -on -one matches I think this might have been his best one him and Rollins really brought it and there was a time there was a time in the match I want to say it was right after the three curb stomps where it looked like Strowman had him with the running power slam, and I thought if he had hit it, that was it. I was like, he's going to win the belt, uh, but he didn't, and uh, Rollins keeps the belt. I wonder if this was maybe one time too many that Braun's come up a little short here. I think the crowd was really ready for him to get the belt here again, and this is a lot of times this guy has failed, but he doesn't get it. Uh, they want to keep it with Rollins, and I do think that it, 
for what they're going with, with Rollins and The Fiend, it makes a lot more sense to do it Rollins and The Fiend as opposed to Strowman and The Fiend. But a uh, great moment at the end, like you said, stealing a page out of NXT's book with the copyright there, the promotion <laughs> for the Chronicle of Sasha Banks goes out, and then boom, The Fiend shows up. Huge ovation for The Fiend and a uh, great, great moment there. It was uh, one of those things that made you want to tune in the next night, which I think a pay-per-view should, what, should do. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier, it, it, it was that hook that's going to get you tuned into Monday Night Raw and uh, going to definitely get you watching the uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view to see what happens between uh, The Fiend. Well, I don't know if it was announced on uh, on Monday Night Raw, uh, which happened a few hours ago, uh, because I was fast asleep in my bed, but uh, we probably would have seen The Fiend on Raw and uh, almost certainly some developments towards his match against Seth Rollins or certainly um, some uh, repercussions following uh, Sunday Night's pay-per-view. But um, definitely a great way to end it. And it was a pay-per-view of two halves, really. You had some uh, some matches that were kind of done, um, blink and you miss them sort of matches that were done in four or five ma- uh, minutes. Um, you, you did have a, a few highlights. I really enjoyed the revival winning the SmackDown tag team titles and the, the fact that they're now uh, probably the most successful tag team in, in modern uh, WWE history anyway, certainly having won the NXT, the Raw and now the SmackDown titles uh, and uh, an accolade that can't be uh, matched by anybody um, on the WWE roster, certainly. You had that excellent match uh, between Sasha Banks and uh, Becky Lynch. And like I said, I think that was possibly the best match that Becky's had since her win against uh, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte at WrestleMania. And certainly the most interesting feud she's been involved in since then as well. And this great main events. And uh, the, the, like I say, the, the highlights and that very memorable image of The Fiends, um, not once but twice, uh, putting uh, Seth Rollins out of action um, as the as the show goes off the air in darkness. So uh, what were your overall thoughts and your overall highlights of Clash of Champions then, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really, I mean, but like, but like you said, it was like a tale of two different shows. The matches that were in the undercard were really quick, but the bigger matches got time to develop. And it was interesting because when the show went off the air, it went off the air my time around 10.30, so it was like three and a half hour show. Part of me was like, why did they cut the matches so short if they still had an extra half hour why'd they get rid of the king of the ring final if they still had an extra half hour um but i think wwe is cognizant of the fact that their shows are going very long yeah and i think they know that the crowd gets burnt by the shows being very long so i think they're making a concerted effort to kind of make the shows three and a half hours and in doing so makes it a little bit of an easier watch you know if you think oh four hours isn't even going to be enough and we're going to go to four and a half five hours you're going to be really fried going into those shows. So I think uh, it was it was a qu- it was good that it was three and a half hours. It was good that each one of the matches had uh, enough time to develop there at the end. Uh, but yeah, so I thought it was a pretty good show overall. Yeah, I've got I've got to echo echo your sentiments once again. I don't think there was anything terrible on the show. To be honest with you, I don't no. think there was any any dud matches. Um, and like I say, had any of the matches had a few minutes longer, I'm sure that, that we would have had uh, even more fantastic matches to have been talking about tonight. But some of them were cut short. Uh, but uh, yeah, on the whole, it, it was a good show, and certainly the the. Uh, the, the matches between Sasha Banks uh, and uh, Becky Lynch and then the main events will kind of start, will be remembered fondly for, for being fairly good matches, uh, which kind of, regardless of the undercard, it will kind of make you think more fondly of the pay-per-view overall because of those matches and, of course, the ending with the themes. But... Um, yeah, overall, I think it was definitely a thumbs up show from me as well. But uh, um, yeah, so I'd say it does make us look forward to the Hell in a Cell. It, it does set up a few matches there. 
almost certainly a rematch between uh, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, possibly inside a Hell in a Cell cage. I'd be surprised if we don't get the Fiend and uh, Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell cage as well. But uh, looking at the kind of the pairings and how the matches went down tonight, Tommy, are there any other rematches or possibly matches that could be set up for the next pay-per-view in your opinion? I think they're definitely going to go with um, Fiend and Seth Rollins. Uh, I think they'll definitely go with um, Sasha Banks and, and Becky Lynch again. Uh, have a rematch there. Uh, they could definitely go with Charlotte and Bailey again. I don't know if they necessarily want to do that because I don't think they want to have Charlotte continue to lose. Uh, but that being said, and I think they're building up Bailey's uh, heel character. Uh, but with that being said, I love the idea of uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against uh, the former Bludgeon Brothers now. Like being able to do promos and together, I think that could be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see, where, where, where do you think they go with Braun Strowman now? Well, I don't know. To be honest with you, there's no obvious next opponent for Braun Strowman, so he may not even be on the next pay-per-view, in my opinion, because uh, this is, what, the, the fifth, maybe the, the sixth time that he's had a championship opportunity. He had uh, a couple of shots against, uh, against Brock Lesnar. Uh, I think dating back for the last two, two and a half years, he's been having these championship matches. He's always fallen short. Uh, he's, had, he's had a few unsuccessful matches against uh, uh, other uh, opponents as well. But um, I, I don't know. I think if they were going to pull the trigger on Braun Strowman, they would have done it by now. And I think that when, if and when they do finally pull the trigger on Braun Strowman and give him a, a big title win, I don't think it will mean half as much as it could have had they have given him the title much sooner. Um, but um, I don't know. Uh, it, it looks quite bleak for Braun Strowman at this stage, because if you look at Sunday night in particular as an isolated um as an isolated instance, he lost twice um, yeah. that night. So, you know, he, he lost the tag team titles, although he wasn't the man that got pinned um, and uh, he lost the main event. So uh, I don't know that they, they would need uh, a miracle worker, possibly in the shape of a Paul Heyman to turn him around, maybe give him a, a shift in character. I think that um, he's been a babyface recently, but maybe to give him a bit of a heel turn, a bit of a, a, a heel turn makeover could be what he needs so that he can go on a bit of a, a rampage and start turning trucks over again and start running through the babyface roster. Um, but it's hard to take him seriously with all of these title losses, to be honest with you, Tommy. So it, it's a bit of a bit of a quandary as to what you do next with the big man, because he's, he's got all of the attributes to be, you know, the face of the company. He's got he's got a fantastic look and a great presence about him. Uh, he's not the strongest on the microphone, uh, but I think his size and his uh, ability in the ring kind of outweighs anything he can't do on the mic. And I was really impressed with the guy in that main event. That that uh, frog splash was phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you've seen another big man deliver a, a frog splash recently in the shape of Walter uh, when he uh, managed to defeat Tyler Bate in that classic match in Cardiff a couple of weeks back. Um, but uh, that seems to be a move that Walter tends to use. But Walter's not even as big as Braun Strowman. Um, but to see a guy as big as that execute a move like that was really, really impressive. It was kind of um, parallels of, of Brock Lesnar doing a shooting star press, really, a move that you wouldn't expect from such a big man. And we haven't seen Brock Lesnar do that for several years because of uh, what happened the last time he tried it, of course. But uh, yes, uh, that one is definitely a question that we're all, um, you know, interested to find out where it goes for Braun Strowman. But uh, once again, another unsuccessful match for Strowman on this occasion. But I think the right person won, to be honest with you. I think that uh, they definitely needed to keep the belt on Seth Rollins. I think he's had a, a fairly good championship reign so far. Um, and was he two-time Universal Champion now? 
Um, so uh, I think a match between him and The Fiend would be a bit more interesting, in my opinion, than uh, Braun Strowman and The Fiends. Uh, there's definitely a lot more you can do with The Fiend and Seth Rollins, in my opinion. But, uh, Tommy, that brings us uh, to the end of this episode. So I want to thank you so much for being a big part of uh, Wrestling With Jonas and for being a big part of episode 67. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, if any of my listeners want to follow you or, or get in touch with you on social media, uh, what's your kind of your Twitter, your Instagram, your Facebook handles? Where can they find you out there on uh, on the Internet, Tommy? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, welcome everyone to do that. Uh, I can be find, found on Twitter at WatchWrestlePod. That's probably where I'm the most active. I do also have an Instagram, uh, Watch Along Wrestling. Facebook, I'm not on, but I heard you mention uh, Facebook, and that might be something I want to check out. Uh, it seems like that's uh, something people get into, so uh, I might have to look at that. Definitely, definitely. So uh, thank you, Tommy, and hopefully we'll get you back on a, another episode in the near future. Really appreciate it. It's always fun to have you on the show, so uh, uh, whatever you get up to soon uh, on your wrestling uh, adventures, uh, we'll hopefully uh, get back in touch with you and find out about those very soon. But uh, I think you mentioned uh, off-air that you might be going to one of the live NXTs fairly soon, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, that uh, it's it's something I'm excited about. It's something I'm hoping for, hoping that that uh, I, I'm able to get down there on October second. I think that show is going to be great. I uh, I, th- I thought for a while that the show was going to be built up to bring back Enzo and Cass. Seems like Cass is having some <laughs> issues. Um, yeah. nah, so it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Which you know, uh, I'm fine with that not happening. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to be. A show that uh, is, is going to just be great to be there live for. And uh, I'm glad you got to go to take over Cardiff. I, I know that uh, that show ended up being fantastic and uh, you had awesome seats for it. So, yeah, I uh, really had a good time. But it looks like you're in for a treat on October the 2nd because that's going to be the first um, live NXT that goes head to head with AEW's Wednesday Night Dynamite, of course. So that's going to be a hell of a show. I'm sure that uh, uh, they're, they're going to really stack up the card there to go against AEW on that night. So uh, best of luck, Tommy, and we'll catch up with you again soon. But uh, please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT UK updates. Uh, we do cover WWE and AEW pay-per-views along with uh, New Japan and Progress and Indie Wrestling. Um, so there's so much to listen to on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Keep it tuned. If you have enjoyed listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, please don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends and tell your family and uh, let's get even more po- uh, people listening to this podcast so please subscribe uh, to the podcast now wherever you are listening to us and don't miss out on a single episode we'll be back again on friday with our uh, usual weekly recap of uh, the aforementioned nxt and nxt uk uh, but from myself and from tommy uh, this has been our clash of champions review uh, so in the meantime take care have yourself a, a great week and we'll catch up with you all again soon